Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name is Guy Dunlap from Guy's Shop, and with me as always are my co-hosts, JJ and Nathan. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Nathan's in his car today. Yep. So don't mind the engine noise and the honking. It's always always fun to to do mobile stuff. But we do depend on your questions for this podcast. So if you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page and send it. And we also have Patreon. We only have one level now. We're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to worldwideweb, patreon.com slash perfectfirstlayer. So what do you got going on in the car right now, Nathan? Um, well, I don't have any printers with me, unfortunately. So yeah, not a whole lot of 3d printing related stuff, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to talk about all the current events that have been happening in the 3d printer industry lately. Also, I've been doing a live stream on my rat rig V minion, which Mm -hmm. is not in the car with me, but it's something that I'm very much working on. So yeah, Yeah, I joined that like for a couple minutes one day right before I was getting ready to go out to eat. And I wish I could have stuck around, but I came back like two hours later and you're still doing it, but you're just wrapping up. Right. Yeah. The, the whole build is going to end up taking me about nine hours. So if you have a lot of time on your hands and you love playing with 3d printers, I'd highly recommend getting a kit like a Voron or a rat rig. It's, it's a lot of fun. The rat rig seems like there's a ton of screws i mean just <laughs> an exorbitant amount of screws yeah as I compared put, to the voron yeah i haven't put a voron together but there's like some parts where i wish I, i'll do a whole uh breakdown and review and design review kind of thing towards the end of the assembly process but there's some parts where they could have just printed one piece out and then bolted it on with two screws but instead they decided to have it be made out of multiple 3D printed parts that you have to screw together and then hold on with like five different screws. So um, I think it would serve them well to just go through and do a design review and minimize fastener count. That's a really common thing to do in mechanical engineering and uh, just makes assembly go that much faster, reduces your bill of materials. So it's always a good thing. Well, just remember, it's not the destination, it's the journey, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. It's, it's looking like it's going to be a really nice printer. So and it's beefy. A, yeah, yeah, it's a whole experience build. going through and building it. So yeah. well, I can't fault it for that. Before I ever built my Voron, I got a iFixit kit. It was the best purchase, best uh, birthday gift I've ever gotten. I use that thing every day versus those little cheap Allen keys that normally come with a kit or something. Oh, yeah. I've just been using Allen keys. It's oh, causing yeah. a lot of... <laughs> a lot of heartache. Are you talking about like one of those little battery powered? No, it's not battery powered. It just has a bunch of really good bits and a solid little handle to handle. it and stuff. Like yeah. just a solider grip than using a little Allen key. Yeah, my think. my favorite part was Nathan didn't have the right size Allen key, so he had like a bit <laughs> without a driver and was turning everything with a wrench. <laughs> Yeah, with a pair of pliers, you know. Oh, yeah. If you're one of those people that likes to use the right tools for everything, then uh, I don't know. Yeah. You'd probably get real bothered by my stream. <laughs> it's the first thing I noticed. I'm like, "What the hell is he doing?" And then you're doing something else, and I'm like shouting at the screen, "Clamp it! Clamp it! Yeah. Clamp it!" I even texted twice, "Clamp it! Just clamp it!" Yeah, I need to get a good workshop set up so I'll have all the right tools at my disposal. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, it's, it's the MacGyver show. I just grab whatever. Yeah. If it can turn the fastener, then we'll go with it. Get my keys in there and just turn with the keys. So what do you got going on, JJ? I watched your video on the Sonic Pad. It was yeah. Good. So I reviewed the Sonic Pad, and then I'm thinking I'm going to strap it up to a bunch of see how how they say you can do four printers off of it. So this next week I'm going to see if I can get four printers up and running and ready to be running off of it. Um, so we'll see how far I can push it. Yeah, yeah. I know. Unlike the Raspberry Pi, if you install that Clipper install and update helper, you can mm-hmm. run like up to four instances yeah yeah on that but i mean but a lot of that is the task taxes the processor yeah how far you can push that processor and so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that right. does when you overload so, your uh your computer processor and you're playing a video game you get frame frame rate drops but you definitely don't want to do that when you're running a 3d printer because then all sorts of weird stuff might happen exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so are, are you liking the the 5s1 now that you've got the sonic pad hooked up to it yeah i think uh input what, shaper. what, what improvements have you seen so much it's just the input shaper taking off the vibrations of it are huge so you can run it at the same speed and now you don't get all those ringing artifacts um because it's a box frame but it's not a super stable box frame i feel like it needs more supports holding it together could do a lot but you just add input shaper and their accelerometer i think was amazing on there uh, super funny that it comes with an old PS2 connector right. plug on style on it. Um, but it's, that just old, left... it's that old round keyboard connector for those of yeah. you that yeah. don't remember. Old mouse and keyboard connector for the accelerometer. But it works, and it works really well. So yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, you know, I, I, I changed mine over to Clipper, and then I put, you know, put the Sonic pad on it, did the input shipping and everything else. And then I watched... Nathan's video on he was running some ridiculous speeds. I didn't want it really <laughs> to go that fast, but I have mine going at like five thousand acceleration and about one hundred and twenty millimeters per second, and I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. It's fine, but it, yeah. it moves pretty quick. That's a fast speed, yeah. I wonder yeah. how much improvements you could get by adding acrylic panels to the sides, because I know mm-hmm. that should stiffen it up quite a bit. Yeah, well, it's yeah. much stiffer than the Ender Five that I have. That I do know. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I never had, you know, I, I put Clipper on that machine. It's never run Marlin. I put Clipper on it from day one and mm-hmm. did the input shaping and the the pressure advance. So I've never had those problems, but I've always run it at really low speeds. So anyways, anything else, JJ? Got uh, I've also been struggling with resin printing of uh, Anycubic sent me over a printer that May 1st was when they wanted me to release that one. Um, and so struggling with how hard resin printing is. It's, it's such a mess. Yeah, of, slicing is just like, what? Huh? Slicing, I feel like, wasn't the worst part. The worst part is just like, you, it's a liquid. And uh, it's a toxic liquid. And so... It gets everywhere. You gotta be wearing gloves. You gotta be super careful about anything. And then you slightly slip and you spill some. And then what are you gonna do with that? And... Yeah. Yeah, and then you're trying to scrape it off of the. I had an error mess, print fail, and so then trying to scrape it off the FEP sheet, and then I damaged that. So then I had to order more sheets and just yeah. like that's even why though they I'm getting the a plastic. I was scraper. using the plastic one, and I still damaged oh, it. Really? 
So right. it's just funny where even though they sent me a free printer and free resin and free wash and cure station, I probably spent over a hundred dollars on the extra things you need yeah. for it. It's just an ex- way more expensive than FDM 3d printing. I bought, I bought like a couple lunch trays from Amazon to put mine on. Yeah. And it was really beneficial. So I've got that on a, a lunch tray and the wash and cure station on a lunch tray. So if, that stuff spills on anything. It's just on that. And I wipe it up real quick. It doesn't get all over everything else. I ordered them a few days after using it. I ordered some trays for it. (laughs) (laughs) This should be here soon. (laughs) Hindsight's 2020. I've I've finally got all my stuff because I'm going to completely tear down my Ender 5 and rebuild Mm. it, you know, from the frame out. And last weekend I screwed around and actually got my uh, CAN bus working. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which was actually pretty darn easy. Hmm. You know, there's a couple of very good tutorials online. I, I watched the, a couple of videos from Eddie the Engineer and then um, Teaching Tech. What's his name? Michael? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had a really good video on it. I watched his and it was very beneficial. It was actually, like I said, pretty yeah. easy. Once you, once you got everything figured out and hooked up and powered up. It's just hitting some buttons and putting in some copying and pasting some commands and you're in. Nice. That's that's one of the really cool things about 3D printing is CAN bus is a commonly used standard for like electronics communications mm-hmm. in cars and robotics and all sorts of applications. So if you can buy a little toolkit and pick up a, a valuable skill that way, especially if you're planning on going into like the industries or trades where you're working on cars or robots, and that's just kind of free career training. Well, not exactly free, but it's it's like career training as a hobby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. All right. So we do have a couple questions, but as Nathan had said previously, he says there's a lot going on in the 3D printer world. What's, yep. what's, what's biggest on your mind right now regarding the 3D printer world? Yeah, the whole, um, all these new releases that are coming out. So we've got the Prusa MK4, pretty big deal. Um, They're kind of finally upping their speed and making a cost competitive part uh, uh, printer with all these, uh, you know, we've got the Bamboo Lab and all these other printers that have input shaping out of the box. Those are printing much faster than all of our classical 3D printers. So Mm -hmm. now, Prusa is implementing some of those changes to up their speed. They've also got the Prusa XL and um, Kiti Tech, which is another company. It's QIDI Tech. Um, they're coming out with a, it, it basically looks like a clone of the Bamboo Lab printers. And in a week, we should basically tomorrow and in the following days, we should be getting more information about the Creality K1. So it's really been a huge burst of really fast printers coming out all at once. So I'm excited to see uh, how they turn out. And I'm sure we're going to see a lot of comparison videos in the upcoming weeks and months on these printers to see which one should go in your office or garage if you're shopping for a printer. Yeah, I, 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 we talked about this, oh, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. And I said that Bamboo Labs is going to spark a fire under everybody's ass to get stuff like this done. And there's going to be a lot of clones coming out really quick. We, we talked about that, I think, pretty extensively. So it's nice to see it happen. Yeah. Right. You know, Nostradamus. Um, 
no, no, no. <laughs> we, we, I, I think actually JJ is the one that initially brought it up. So, um, yeah, it's kind of cool. Uh, what do you, what do you think of the Mark IV, JJ? Have you ever used a Prusa? I haven't actually used a Prusa, um, but I've really come around to the Mark IV. When I first saw it, first seeing like a picture of it, I was like, it just looks like a Mark III again. And I was like, why are they, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> don't they know the industry is changing? Uh, but then I was like, I'm skeptical, so let's dig into it. And I think it's really impressive that they're making an upgrade to everyone who has a Mark III now doesn't have to throw out their old Prusa printers. They're like, we can still make a good printer by just sort of upgrading on the last one and giving all these nice features to everyone. Um, I think is really impressive of what yeah. they're doing with that as a, as a company and as a industry moving forward. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I think it's very cool how they've introduced it into the market. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think, Nathan? So I've used a couple of Mark III, uh, I3 MK3 S's at my, one of my previous jobs. So we had a pair of them and I, as soon as you unbox them, you just start printing right away. And that's one of the things that you get with the Prusa is they really tailored the experience from start to finish. You take it out of the box, you start up their slicer and it's all kind of like easy steps. It's very beginner friendly. So, um, seeing them update their machine to, uh, the MK four is really nice to see. One thing that, uh, kind of troubled me since I recent I've started doing this YouTube thing, reviewing 3d printers in the last two years. And in these last two years, Prusa has frankly been uncompetitive with other printers on the market. You had the MK3, which sure it offered a great user experience, but you're talking about a thousand dollar printer compared to um, like a similarly specced printer where you have your direct drive and uh, uh, all the same specs as a Prusa that would usually be sold for around three or four hundred dollars. So it's hard to recommend Prusa, but now that they've upped their speed game, I really think it's uh, brought them back into the limelight. They're still very expensive for what you get. I mean, it's $1,100, I think, for the but Mark the, IV. But the kit is only $800. But they don't have them. They won't yeah, have they them don't, I mean, like yet, June or July. Give it a few months or so. Or, you know, anyone who needs a printer right now, that's one thing. But that was mm -hmm. one I was initially like, $1,100, that's so much for a bed slinger printer. But then I saw the kit. You know, the kit is only 800 And yeah. yes, it's not out yet. Comparing eight hundred is pretty close to the seven hundred dollars P one P, puts those in pretty close comparison. Yeah, well, I, agree. I agree. Well, for me at my last job, we needed to buy a couple of printers, and we needed something that was reliable. And uh, I think Prusa filled the niche for that. And I was thinking, okay, I want to buy a couple of Prusas. Should I buy the kit or the assembled? Because I know that's a pretty big price difference for people mm -hmm. in the hobby market. But if I went up to my boss and I told him. Hey, I want to buy these two kit printers and I want to spend the next week building them. <laughs> that's 40 hours of company time. They're not going to want you to do that. So that's why they have the pre-assembled kits. I think it makes a lot more sense for their industrial users. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. And I, I, I've mentioned before, I have a, a Prusa Bear clone from Fiztech, or well, however that's pronounced. Uh, and it's, it's pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm very happy with it. I think the only real difference between that and the regular Prusa parts is mostly the bearings and the motors. Other than that, I mean, it's a frame, it's all printed parts, you know, all that stuff is pretty generic. 
um, except for maybe the extruder innards mm. are probably yeah. different and the power supply. One other thing that I thought was funny in their uh, announcement, they've had one slide that said it had less than 0.8 or 0.9% warranty claim rate, uh, which was just a funny thing of how we'd recently been talking about how many printers are shipped with errors. <laughs> and well, Bruce is putting it out there, uh, less than 1% warranty yeah. claim rate even. Uh, right. And their, their warranty department is pretty good. I had to do, mm-hmm. I had two slight issues with my printers um, that I was using at work. One of them was like, there's a scratchy rail. So mm. they sent out new linear rails and linear bearings. And they were like, here's all the instructions to be able to replace those, um, which is something uh, that I really admire. You know, you're actually allowing people to service and maintain their printers into the future. Um, and they sent those out for free. Then the other thing that I had was one of the nozzles came loose after printing for maybe a couple thousand hours and it made the blob of death that just like covered <laughs> up the whole, uh, hot end fan and everything. So I had to replace a couple of parts due to that. Um, and unfortunately they didn't, uh, send out free replacements for that issue because they were like, well, you're, you're supposed to keep an eye on that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hit or miss, but overall I think they're pretty good. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm kind of excited about, I'm, I'm not going to buy one cause I don't have that mm-hmm. kind of cash liquid. I'm still saving for retirement, which is past. Um, so, but what I'm, what I'm excited about is when the clone upgrade kits come out. Yeah. Because right you know, now they're 500, they're $500. <laughs> You can't get one, but I, I guarantee you AliExpress will have them well, by next month. You know who's not going to be excited about that is uh, is Joe Prusa. He, yeah. he made a big blog post about wanting to change their uh, their licensing and their open source kind of commitment. But it sounds like they're kind of upset that they, they open source everything. And then immediately the next day, all these Chinese mm-hmm. companies get to work yep. taking their documentation yeah. and making their printer. Well, that's what that's what happens when you open source stuff, and I, I don't think you should be bitter about it. But I, think I didn't read his post, so I don't know. If it's, it's a great article that talks about it of how much the open source has really pushed the entire industry forward, mm-hmm. and how many of their open source things are now used on every printer, and yeah. that we're all really benefiting from this open source ecosystem around it. And I think Absolutely. it'd be cool if you could buy, and I don't know how it'll go in the future, if I could just buy the next extruder or whatever, little pieces here or there that they've created. Because I don't I don't need a whole new printer, but to try out a really great extruder that they've created, I think would be really great. Yeah, right. Or if you could take yeah. an extruder and put it on Ender 3 or something. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, another thing about uh, Prusa's assembly line and how they're trying to change things is I think they're doing a lot of their PCB manufacturing in-house now. And I saw mm-hmm. some videos about that, yeah. and it looked like they've got a pretty impressive setup. The issue is if you have all your PCBs made in China, someone out there has all the files to make it and mm-hmm. all the parts and everything. So, Oh, you mean the Chinese folks steal other people's IP? No, I mean, say it isn't true. Is it stealing if you're posting it out there on the Internet? Well, that's that's been a problem with a lot of that manufacturing mm-hmm. that goes over to China, they just take, they just steal the IP they, and they don't yeah. care. Cause what are you going to do? Nothing. Yeah. 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 So the only, go to war with them. The only yeah. way to really secure your IP is to manufacture it in house, in my opinion. Yep. So mm-hmm. yep. um, that way you're not sending all your documents out. You just, 
if someone wants to reverse engineer it, they can reverse engineer it. Let them do it. It's going to take them hundreds or thousands of hours. Yeah. 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 Well, I agree with you. But like I said, I'm still looking forward to the Chinese clones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because I'm just because I'm a cheap old bastard. <laughs> you know, nobody sends me off all kinds of free stuff like you guys. Right. I, I still buy I'm some not printers. a big time YouTuber. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've seen a couple of videos on it uh, of people that actually have them now and are unboxing them and using them. Mm-hmm. And the experience looks just like it was on the MK3S plus mm-hmm. minus whatever it is. <laughs> and the, the, the setup is very similar to the same thing. It, it's a little bit different, but it, it uses the, the, the pressure touch system for bed leveling. Which is pretty cool. So you don't have to do it. You don't have to set any Z heights at all or Z offsets. It just right. does it automatically. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't matter what kind of bed you have on it either. Yeah, I really like I really like that uh, load cell bed leveling that um, the P one P uses and everyone else. Um, the issue with having a a different type of uh, bed probe where you have the user type in the uh, the Z offset at the end. Is it's like sure you've got a plus or minus 0.001 millimeter probe, then you have some bumbling idiot typing in uh, plus or minus one millimeter measurements and throwing everything off. So your accuracy goes to waste if you're not actually having the machine calibrate itself. You know, at the end of the yeah. day, you have a human in the loop that can make a mistake. Yeah, human error is always a, a possibility in a lot of the machines. And and Bamboo and now Perusa has taken that out of the equation. And I think that's huge. I, I, I think that's really important. We, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about how these manufacturers can make the printers more accessible for people. And stuff like that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially for our podcast, because we're called the perfect first layer. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, I got a big smile on my face every time I hear somebody in a video say that. Right. <laughs> Look at this layer; it's perfect. It's the perfect first layer. <laughs> I could show you if I was at my desk um, some of the canceled prints that I do after the first layer on my P1P. You peel it off, and it's like a piece of paper that's like perfect consistency all the way through, mm-hmm. perfectly, yeah. you know, everything, because they're getting rid of the human error that is introduced when you have someone shev- shoving a little piece of printer paper underneath the nozzle and who knows if something's stuck on it and you know just get rid of all of that confusion by automating the process we have the tools to do it now on the bamboo labs i do sometimes want to adjust the z i wish it was a little little bit higher off the bed oh yeah mine is actually sometimes i see little gaps between the first layer oh i'd like to dial it in maybe like 0.001 millimeters down, Down, but uh, it's like, it's pretty (laughs) close. You know, I've, I've really started to enjoy printing with ABS on that machine. Huh? Yeah. The, the, the finish on the ABS is much nicer than it is on PLA. It appears to me anyways. Mm. And I've, I've got like four or five rolls of ABS now of different colors. And I've been using that mainly in that printer. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty happy with it. It prints fast and it prints well. So what kind of enclosure are you using? You got the cardboard box method? Or? Cardboard box. Right. Cardboard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cardboard's a good it insulator. Yeah. It's also it a great uh, fire starter. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. Okay. Um, yeah. Not at all. But it, it works. It works great. I have no problems with it. 
So is there anything that, that you think is, um, I don't want to say negative, but any concerns or issues you might see with the, the new Prusa? I guess price is the only one and they're mm -hmm. using a lot of, a lot more proprietary hardware, um, both on the electrical and mechanical side. So, and that's one way that you can secure your, um, IP from the competition is just make it more difficult to build, mm -hmm. require a higher tooling investment for someone else to produce your same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still think the price is still very high in comparison yeah. when you can get some of these closed uh, and closed uh, printers that are core XY and go super fast and are, you know, two, three, four hundred $400 less. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about before about uh, people like to mod things and everything else. So, you know, the, 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 the tinkerer, out there doesn't really care if it does all that stuff automatically because it's not a big deal yeah, to them I feel like anyways. The, to that the tinkerer will keep going for that three $400 yeah. printer versus the industry that once, when you call up with an issue, you can get a repair part and you can get actual service on the other side yeah. is really where the Prusa fits in. Yeah. I think in, in terms of commercial uh, users, I think Prusa has a little bit better optics on the market just because mm -hmm. bamboo lab with their whole cloud stuff and being a Chinese company, it's like, do we really trust sending everything over the cloud for, for our print jobs versus mm -hmm. Prusa? They've, they've been selling to um, like companies doing private stuff and you can just use the SD card and keep everything offline relatively easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Is, is there anything else? We want to take one of these questions. I think we, we got to get some user questions in here. Yeah. All right. All right. This one comes from, I really don't know his name, but it says hers. H-U-R-Z. Hertz. Hertz. Oh, that might be someone on my uh, my pay, my Discord. Herzlnerk. He's a German guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, might be. Might be. And it says, hello, guy. <laughs> so... The question is, how is it that Prusa Slicer is so awesome in regard? And this is this was aimed at you, Nathan. Okay, I'm ready. So how is how is it that Prusa Slicer is so awesome in regard to multi-material printing and so bad at handling handling IDEX in general or independent dual extruders? When using an ooze shield, the temperature management is poor. For example, the next, the next extruder reheat is not protect, predicted, so it takes a lot of time because it isn't done while the other head is still printing. Also, the retraction settings for a tool change are broken for two years now. Back then, I didn't even have a printer. Cura, on the other hand, handles the machines very nicely, but has no painting option for the colors. So, what do you think, Nathan? You ever do right. any multi-color multicolor printing? I don't do a whole lot of multicolor printing, but I have the perfect explanation here. Okay. The difference is uh, Prusa Slicer is developed by Prusa, who have a multi-material printing unit. It's called, um, I think it's called the MMU. 
yes. multi-material unit that can handle five colors. But that is designed to be installed onto a printer with a single extruder. So it retracts the filament and then loads the next filament in, just like the Bamboo Lab printers do. Um, so Prusa Slicer has an incentive to debug and make convenient that workflow. But um, Ultimaker develops Cura, and I believe they have a, uh, a so. dual extruder setup. So they have probably spent more time developing it and tuning their software to work on that type of printer. Yeah, well, I know on Cura, or on, not Cura, but on Prusa, it gives you the option of adding more extruders than one. Mm-hmm. And you would they think want to support it. They, you'd think that if they put that in there, they're pretty good about supporting that stuff. Right. Um, but that might have been, I don't know how all of this software stuff works and yeah. all the politics behind it, but that might have been added from a pull request from a community developer versus when uh, when Prusa wants something, they're, high, they're paying their own developers that are consistently working on and developing and fine-tuning the, uh, the slicer to work on their specific hardware configuration. So I think when you're using the hardware that's similar, that's most similar to the way that Prusa intended it to be used, then you're probably going to get a better experience because, I mean, they're not going to warrant someone else's user experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. JJ, I'm going to kick it over to you because I know you have an IDEX printer, correct? Yeah. I use Cura for that one, but I really Which just like... Which printer do you have? It's a We Do... We Do... Me 40 or X 40, something 40, their IDEX one. Um, and it's the downside to that is the extruders are the cheapest extruders you could have in the cheapest Bowden setup possible. Um, but as for slicing it, I do like using Cura for that. I feel like I, I just like Cura in general. Um, but their IDEX setup is pretty straightforward and pretty easy to use. Um, have you had good success with the WeDo? pretty good um but then now that i've got the bamboo with the multi-material thing on top i feel like i don't need the idex anymore because the multi-material just works so well on the bamboo versus the swapping filament i feel like the problem is the software on the printer not the slicer um so the printer would do a lot of stopping and skipping and so then I, i finally took out what is it the Power loss recovery. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I took out power loss recovery on that printer, it helped a lot with print quality because it was just overloading the processor, basically, trying to control two heads at the same time and stuff. I have a question about power loss recovery that we'll get back, we'll circle back to. Yeah, Remind yeah. me because I'll I'll forget because uh-huh. I'll have a senior moment. So how often have you printed in multicolor? You even using the AMS, do you use that, or you use it just to change filaments? Pretty much, just I did one multicolor print just to try it out, um, but it wastes so much filament when swapping between materials, mm-hmm. and so usually I just do multi print, multicolor prints. So if I want two different squares printed and one in blue and one in red, I can just do it. Send one print job over where it'll print one cube in blue and then go over to the other side of the bed and print another cube in red. And then at the end, I've got two prints, and it did one filament swap in the middle. Um, it's so you're telling, it, you're telling the, the, the slicer to, to complete one job before it starts another, so it completes the job, purges, 
wipes, does all that stuff, and then goes to the other one. Yes, yeah. Okay. And I do that all the time. Um, it's super easy to just have two two prints at the same time and two different filaments um, without so much waste because doing multi, multi-color prints, there's a lot of waste on every single layer when it swaps between colors and stuff like that. Yeah, I can I can see that being pretty useful if you wanted to make like a, a set of dice and all four dice are different colors and it's the exact mm-hmm. same STL. You just drop one in and change the colors out. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that 3D Print General talked about a lot in his discussion of IDEX versus the multi-material unit kind of uh, workflow is that if you have drastically different temperatures, uh, like different melting temperatures for the filament, mm-hmm. you can run into issues when you are purging and you don't purge all of the high temperature material out and then you start printing the low temperature material, mm-hmm. you can have a clog formed by the higher temperature material. So um, in that workflow, he recommends using a IDEX printer, which makes sense to me because then you're not mixing the two in the same nozzle. But if you're mm-hmm. using a similar material and you're just changing color, then uh, and you, you're using pretty much the same printing temperature, then you avoid a lot of issues that you could have with clogs due to temperature changes yeah i know i remember nathan that you had one of those uh hot ends that actually has two inputs like Mm -hmm. a y that goes Mm -hmm. in i think fadus made it yeah how was your experience with that i really didn't like those because um it just it, it takes a lot of tweaking in the slicer to get it to work and uh, programming it to work correctly uh, when you're setting up the, the printer's firmware is, a, is pretty difficult. And also it had a lot of issues with there being clogs. And apparently it was a manufacturing issue that they had on the first units. Um, so that's one of the joys of getting a pre-review unit. The early review units is you get those buggy things and you get to work through those. Um, but overall, I didn't enjoy that user experience. And I think if you have another setup, it's always going to be better than that that's probably one of the worst ways to do it yeah i remember when those came out they they came into the market and left the market pretty darn quick so that was a good indication (laughs) i know people are gonna hate our brand if we keep making these let's just uh let's just put it on sweep it under the rug i've i've thought about getting one of the mmus for the perusa my only Mm -hmm. thing is is it takes so much space and I heard it was very buggy and very finicky. And it's just the, the amount of space it takes up more than anything else to have those rolls. And then it, 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 all this buffer material comes out of them and people mm. coming up with all these ways to coil the, the spools back up so you don't have, you know, filament all over the place. So yeah, it sounds like Bamboo scared Lab. me off. Bamboo Lab just looked at that workflow found all the issues with it and we're like, okay, let's just fix these and make a product out of it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I thinking think about AMS getting either. I'm thinking about getting one of those AMSs. Yeah. Mainly because it's I just hate going out to the garage just to change filament. Right. Yeah. It's so nice to be able to just from your computer select yeah. one of four different options and be like, I want this one in blue and that one in green. And I don't have to go swap it out. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice if there was a lower cost version of it because Bamboo mm-hmm. Lab charges like 350 for that thing. And I can mm-hmm. guarantee yeah. you it costs a lot less than $350 to build one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically just like a, a Tupperware container with some motors in it. <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah, yeah. but the, the, the Prusa is, is that much. Oh, really? It's like, yeah. it's like three, four hundred bucks. But it well, controls six different filaments? It controls five. Five, yeah. But it's just a unit that sits on top of your thing, and you have to put the spools behind it. Mm-hmm. And it's got this big buffer unit because when it retracts and sends it in, the 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 filament has to have somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. And it usually ends up just all over the place. Well, there's the enraged rabbit carrot feeder, which you can get for a hundred about a hundred dollars online. Uh-huh. <laughs> just for the parts, and then I guess you print some stuff out. It's a hundred two dollars. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the solution. We need to be Voron people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's the same thing with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking up a lot out, of space. Yeah, takes a lot of space, and th- that's the one thing the bamboo has done is they've, you know, put it in a container and made it stackable, and you just pop it on and plug it in, and you're off to the races. It's very attractive. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've got one. I need to fire it up, but uh, I just haven't. I've been doing so much other random stuff it's like <laughs> it's almost like if you spend too much time talking about one printer company then it's it's just going to be boring just talking about the same printer every day it's like yeah. do i want to make 40 videos on the p1p or do i want to see what random crap comes in my po box and just build it and see all the problems with it you know we, we didn't even plan on really talking about the band it seems like every conversation we have gets steered that way so we can't be the only ones having all these conversations and thoughts about the the bamboo stuff. Right. Because I said, it just, it just, it permeates everything. It was, it's such a, a a disruptor in the market when it came out, it's got everybody thinking, okay, how does everybody wants to say, how does it compare to the bamboo? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every printer is compared to it now. Yeah, and that's true for even uh, in conversations I've had with 3D printer companies. They're like, this is, you know, as fast as the bamboo. We benchmarked it against the bamboo. So, yeah, everyone's, it's definitely, uh, they've got a target on their back in terms of their design. Like, everyone wants to copy it and one-up it if they can. All right. So I'm going to circle back to a question that I had before. We'll stop talking about bamboo for a minute anyways. Now, if I can remember what the question was. Oh, power loss recovery. Mm-hmm. One thing I have never seen anybody talk about, and I don't know why you couldn't, can't you put a UPS on your printer? Yeah. Or if yep. the power gets shut off, it'll I've just seen, keep going? I've seen people do that, of putting a little one on there, and it keeps it running through a power dip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that to me, that makes more sense. I mean, I have, I have UPSs on all my office equipment. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because you know, if, if my if my <laughs> if my Wi-Fi goes down, it takes like an hour for everything to come back up because I've got all this home automation stuff. Mm. So it just takes forever. I don't want it to drop. And the same thing with my PC. I've I had a problem once where my PC died because of a power surge. So, anyways, I just wondered about that because there was you know get rid of power loss recovery. Well, what about power loss? We've got power loss, so mm-hmm. just put a UPS on it. Who's, who's honking at you, Nathan? Um, I don't know. Someone's just locking their car behind me. They probably oh. saw me just sitting in the car and they thought I looked a little sketchy. So they're like, we're going to lock this up. Yeah, you're <laughs> a very suspicious looking individual. But yeah, I have heard people use UPSs to get around that. Um, 
And so if you have one, then yeah, you don't need power loss recovery um, unless the power is out longer than the UPS can sustain through. But, yeah. I've, yeah. I've really wanted to get one of those, uh, like, they call them solar power electric generators, but it's basically a gigantic power brick that can run any type of uh, regular outlet appliance. So mm-hmm. I'd like to get one of those and get a solar panel and just start doing off-grid 3D printing. Yeah. I think it'd be really fun. But so far, yeah. none of those companies have uh, responded to my inquiries. I just want, <laughs> all you got to do is give me a power bank and I'll go print some stuff outside in front of some monuments. It'll be really cool. <laughs> Low investment. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yep. All right. So we've got another question here. And this is from John. It says, hello, Guy, JJ, Nathan. Well, hello, John. I read the other day, he who has two 3D printers has one operational 3D printer. I am looking to get a second printer. I was impressed with y'all's story. Sorry for y'all's, I'm from Missouri. Videos on the Ender 3 S1, S1 Pro, Ender 5 S1, and Artillery Sidewinder X2. I'll be using it to print replacement parts for an Ender 3 Pro I intend to mod. Any options on what to buy? I want the ability to print fast, as well as print high quality via slow speeds. I'm gravitating towards the Ender 5 S1, though artillery is coming out with a Core XY in the near future that could be cool too. Hmm. Sorry if this questions are out of bounds. Loving the podcast. So what do you think, JJ? I feel like I like all my printers to have a different use case. Um, so where it doesn't matter how many printers I have around here in the basement, um, I really always gravitate to a few. So where I have the bamboo kind of is my like go-to quick printer. Then I've got one really big printer. The Currently it's the Elegoo Max. Um, and it kind of kicked out my previous biggest printer. So like having a different printer that fits a different niche of whether you want a small tinkering printer, like my Minds of Boron V0 that I have sort of as a small tinkering printer that I can do a bunch of fun things on. And it fits here right on the desk versus your Ender 3 is more your like normal sized printer. So either if you want a bigger printer or a fast, small printer, I like having vastly different printers to fit different niches in there. Yeah, It sounds like he wants something that that will print quick, reliably and just be a good all-around printer. I, I think that's mm-hmm. what everybody wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like <laughs> too much of a broad, like, you want, you know, just a good printer. But and it, I would be bored to have two identical, good, normal-sized printers yeah. that both work well. Yeah. It's like, Well, it well, sounds like he just wants to use it to print parts so he can mod the hell out of his Ender 3, mm-hmm. Ender 3 Pro. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like he's going to be doing a lot of modding to it. He just wants to plug it in and, and go. Mm-hmm. which I think there are a lot of printers out there like that. Yeah. What, what do you think, Nathan? Well, depending on your budget, if you got the money for it, I think a P1P would probably be um, one of your better options. Um, I like the Artillery Sidewinder X2 because it's got that larger print volume mm-hmm. and it's relatively fast. It doesn't run Clipper, but it's like uh, $260 if you can find the right um, coupons for it. You can put Clipper you on that. You can get sure. it to run Clipper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah, but... could run Clipper. Yeah. It just doesn't come with Clipper. I'm I'm like 
one of those people that likes the Clippers for Dummies approach, where it's like either <laughs> give me it with it on the machine already, or just like the Sonic Pad is is pretty good. You just like plug it in and you can get it running in five minutes without having to do all this computer stuff, which I know how to do. It's just like I don't know for some reason I just have a, a mental block when I get home and I do engineering at work all day and then I come home and it's like oh man I gotta do more Linux and. <laughs> flash hard drives and stuff. <laughs> well, you know, I, I look a lot at these, you know, I don't have any, but I look a lot at the, the, the less expensive printers just to see how they are and what features they offer. And then I look at reviews to see what people think about them. Um, one of the printers that there's actually two printers that I think are very low priced and the reviews are very good and they have a, all, they have all the stuff, you know, automatic bed loving, direct drive, that kind of stuff, you know, dual uh, Zs. And that's the Elegoo Neptune 3 Pro. That You can get that thing for under 250 bucks now. And it has all yep. that stuff. And I know that, that, that uh, one guy, Wild Rose Bills, he uses that machine a lot. And the prints are just beautiful coming off of that. Um, mm-hmm. another one I've heard really good things about is that Sovel SV06, which uh, is a Prusa clone. And that's right. under 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'm working on a video for the SV06 right now, and I'll just spoil it a little bit by telling you what the title is going to be. Uh-huh. It's, it's the Prusa, but half the quality and half the price or something like that. <laughs> so it's, it's well, this, super... this, this won't air for two weeks, so you're fine. What's that? This won't, this won't be airing for two weeks. Oh, okay. Good. Um, so um, basically, it mine didn't print 100% right out of the box. Like I was having issues with it, mm-hmm. skipping layers and um, and stuff. So I, with the Prusa machines that I've used, it's like you, you plug and play and it's just going with great print quality. With the Soval, it's somewhat like the Ender 3 experience where you have to tinker with it a little bit to get it working. Um but it's significantly cheaper. So I think that'll be worth it for most people. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just, under $250. Yeah. Cheap. Yeah. Right. If anything, Prusa's printers are too high a quality. They need to take it down a couple notches and uh-huh. put their prices down. <laughs> I, I don't think they need to lower their quality. I think they need to lower their profit margin. I think they need to sell them cheaper. It's just, I, even at 1099 and I, 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 I am sure it's a very high quality printer. I know their service is really good. I know all that stuff. Still, it's not going to make me part with eleven hundred dollars for right. it. I just won't do it. It's yeah, not. It's not worth it's, it. It's not going to hit the uh, hobbyist market because nope. they're playing, paying their developers, and they're paying the uh, principles dot com and the Prusa yeah. Slicer developers and all these things. They're paying them well. Yeah, I dig it. So it's, but it's not going to hit the hobbyist market like a two hundred fifty dollars printer will. Yeah. All right. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking Prusa. Yeah, Please yeah, don't yeah. take it that way. For sure. No, no, no. Let's yeah. look at a, a breakdown of the average employee salary at Prusa, Creality, Bamboo Lab, uh, Elegoo. <laughs> you know, depending on where you're hiring people, you're going to be paying significantly different wages. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. And I, I said I understand how all that works. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but still, I don't know. I don't know if maintaining 
a really high price in today's marketplace is sustainable over time. Mm-hmm. Maybe five years ago, yes. But now there's so much out there that's very good quality for significantly less coin. Mm-hmm. Right. Another thing I was thinking of is where will the Prusa Mini, once you put a, yeah. is a Mark II or whatever the next one of, put all these upgrades on a Prusa Mini at like a $500, yep. maybe $400 kit price, that will be exciting for the hobbyist market. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, guys, since you were talking about how you're a cheap, you're a cheap ass, <laughs> uh, a good printer for you might be the Ender 2 Pro. Those are on sale for like 100 to 110 dollars, and the print quality is pristine on those things, despite being yeah, you know Bowden tube, bed slinger, not having any of the advanced features, but it's just really good print quality on a cheap printer. Yeah, one thing I really like about the, the that Voron I have, I, the you know it's 120 by 120 bed size. 99% of the stuff I print, it fits on there, mm-hmm. and it prints it really fast, and it works really well. I did have a problem. I remember telling you I had a problem with it. What, well, yeah, what it was was yeah. a, it was a bad stepper driver. Oh really? Wow! It caused all kinds of weird shit to happen, weird stuff, huh. weird things. So did you have a machine. did you have a removable stepper driver board or? Well, it, it had. I I got four with it, and obviously, you know, you need the three motors and the extruder. But mm-hmm. it's got a, what they call a LDO has what they call a pico bilical. It's like a CAN bus, kind mm-hmm. of. It's a breakout board, and it has a driver on it. So I just took the, the the driver that was in the extruder that wasn't being used and put it on there and swapped it out. It was the X stepper driver hmm. that was bad. Yeah. So I changed that out and all is well, <laughs> right as rain. But I had issues with it from day one. It's just, I look at this one wasn't working. So I tracked it down and I thought I fixed it. And then it still didn't work. Right. So... That's one of the that's one of the issues with like quality control is if you're a brand new person to 3D printing and you get a printer that hasn't been tested and it has an issue like that, you're just dead in the water in terms of being able to get started. Also, if you get a kit like you did, then then you're going to have you might have issues with that. I think the gold standard would be if they tested the printer when it's they assemble it and they do a test print. That's going to be like the best thing. And I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, correct. Someone will have to correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think the Prusa kit, um, the Prusa pre-built printers come with a test print. So you've verified Mm -hmm. that it's working. And once you get it out of the box, it's just going to go. Um, I, I'm not sure if, uh, what other companies are doing that. I'm not sure if the bamboo lab printers actually test print. Um, be a good question for, uh, the I feel like I find even cheaper printers will come with a. There'll be a little bit of weird color filament in the hot end, yeah. but they've they've run something through it at least a little bit. Yeah, well, that, right. they could just be testing the hot end too. Yeah, not yeah, the yeah. Whole but that's printer. still some testing. They're not just sure. like strapping it, throw it in sure. a box. Um, right. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I didn't want to get off on a tangent. No, no, no. Yeah. I just was bringing it up. But well, I was saying those small printers represent mm-hmm. a really good value too. Yeah, like the Ender Two, uh, you know, you're building that rat rig. It's a little bit more expensive. The Boron's mm-hmm. a little bit more expensive, 
but there are other options out there like the king rune the king and rune Tronti. i think is a great one yeah you know those yeah. are 250 bucks and yeah, those going back, are a really good value going back to what jj was saying with uh like having two printers i think it doesn't make sense to have two printers from different brands that are the same size and I have to deal with a lot of that because I don't know how many companies have sent me a 220 by 220 uh, <laughs> millimeter build area printer, but I have no interest in running, uh, starting up a print farm with six different printers that all have the same capabilities with all their own unique bugs and issues. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to get multiple printers that are the same size, I'd recommend getting the exact same make and model. But if you uh, if you want to like scale up your production and have two printers running at a time. But if you um, if you're a hobbyist and you just want to have more capabilities, I think what JJ was saying of having like a big printer and a little printer or a medium printer and a small printer, um, that makes it a lot of fun to, to work with. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, uh, I thought it was, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I think. That's going to do it for now. And remember, we really need questions and participation from you, the listener. So make sure to go to perfectfirstlayer.com and go to the submit page and ask us. We also have an email address, which is what, JJ? Perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. There you go. Thank you. I I wasn't checking that because I didn't have a password for it and we're getting got a bunch of questions in there sorry guys we'll, we'll get think, to them we'll get to them i think herzl nerk from my discord was upset because nobody was answering his questions but, uh, he was <laughs> that's, my the fault. Email. that's my fault because i'm stupid um so jj that's your new that's your new job yes i will to be check checking that, those check that email so anyways uh where can people find you online at jj you can find me at YouTube. Just search JJ Shankles and you'll find all my videos. All right. Nathan? I'm on YouTube as well. Just look up Nathan Builds Robots. All right. Cool. And I can be found at Guy's Woodshop. Just do a search in any, just about all social media or on Google just for Guy's Woodshop or my name, Guy Dunlap, and all my stuff comes up. So very good. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And it was great talking to you guys. And we'll see you on the next show. All right, bye. Bye.